0: <laughs> I got no funny stories. I was, I was, I felt really bad, but I was like, ah. I, mean, oh, I went back later and watched it, but, you know, what can you do? What can you do? And welcome to the Down Front Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Hey! Uh, we want to say thank you. Oh, that was uh, that some was, that was, that was good. That was pretty good. I want to say thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out with us um, on this fine, fine evening. Uh, and we with a few of my buddies, so we're going to do a bit of a, a roundtable, kind of talking about our feature title, where we're going to be really delving into an in-depth review of Alien Covenant. A new movie by Ridley Scott that's a sequel to Prometheus, that's um, kind of re- back into the Alien universe. Um, so we're going to get our thoughts and our dreams and all the stuff like that. But before we do that, I want to talk about everybody who's here with us tonight, um, see what everybody's drinking, and uh, also something that you've been watching. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Brylon. How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going today? Good, good. Tonight. Good to see, uh, hear your beautiful voice. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good voice. Uh-huh. What you been watching? <laughs> <laughs> what you been watching?
1: Um, I've been watching uh, season three of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I've watched about the first four episodes, and I was a huge fan of the first two seasons. I thought it was a really good sitcom that really wasn't doing anything anything else that you'd see on TV. Uh, and then i started watching season 3 and for some reason i'm just hating every minute of it. Oof. It's Aww. just i just find it to be it's the jokes feel dated. I'm not enjoying any of the characters. I actually kind of hate them after what they go through in the first four episodes. And the only like redeeming factor i'm finding is John Hamm, and he just pretty much is on a telephone the whole time. Okay. So it's kind of it's kind of sad to see that that show has taken such a huge nosedive compared to its previous quality
0: I've never seen the show just yet so uh, I don't really have too much to offer but uh, what about anybody else
2: yeah I haven't seen the show either I've been like I really like Ellie Kemper going back to her Derek comedy days which I was re-watching a bunch of those videos Um, how dry do you want it dry like the desert (laughs) (laughs) no no never never do that (laughs) um so i'm a big fan of hers i i she took a little bit of warming up on the office but i really enjoyed her character on that um and i just for whatever reason never could commit to watching 10 hours of ellie kemper in a day
0: that's fair yeah Yeah. i don't. i still don't think i can ever do it uh bradley what you what you drinking you sipping on anything tonight
1: uh, yeah, I'm drinking, uh, I'm still continuing drinking my Sam Adams special editions I got from the brewery. So, drinking Sam Adams to Travis. It's, con- it's called a Belgian Quad. <clears throat> nice. And it has rich notes of currants, raisins, and clove. It's 10% alcohol. And it, <laughs> it's one of those beers where the first sip <laughs> is really strong and bitter. And so you're like, oh, it must be a skunky beer. But after a couple other sips, it starts to go down smoothly, so I like it.
0: <laughs> the couple of sips, it starts going down smoothly. Okay, well, yep. it right
2: there. Uh, you just can't t- taste it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you just don't taste yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much. much. I'm, it's probably just the alcohol talking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, Mike, Mike Blue, and how's it going, Mike the Shredder?
2: Yo, what's happening, dudes? Always, uh, always good to see your face. I'm drinking I'm drinking some Long Trail. I picked up the uh, the spring slash summer seasonal. It's been it's pretty solid. I mean, I've had it a million you know summers at this point. Can't go wrong with Long Trail.
0: You're literally drinking it right now. So thank you for. Oh
2: that. yeah, everyone can see me except for uh, you know the audience. Um, I guess in terms of what I've, what I've been watching, like nothing really. I, I, I think I watched rewatched uh, an episode of This Is Us and. Uh, I've been watching the Celtics, and that's
0: about it. Oh, that's a good one.
2: Big game. And by the time this uh, this this episode comes out, uh, the I should say the Eastern Conference Championship second place runner-up Celtics, because they're probably gonna lose. Second place
0: runner-up? You just mean runner-up? Two in
2: the Eastern Conference Championship. Wouldn't second place runner-up be? Third. third
0: place. Yes. That's well, clear. they're technically they're technically
2: already in third place because the Spurs got eliminated before us, so technically we are in third place.
0: Why did you say third place?
2: I don't know. Second runner-up sounded better.
0: Hmm. hmm. Thanks. Um, I'm getting a lot of I'm a lot of
3: blank <laughs> stairs. Mocha. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Mike. Oh, man. And I'll take it from here, Mike. Uh, <laughs> so, have, wait, what's up, uh, everybody?
0: Next up, we do um, have uh, Mocha Mike, and uh, I'd like to say one of the newest additions to the Down in Front podcast crew. So, thank you so much, my friend, for hanging out with us.
3: Thank you. Not very excited. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you, fans. I'm excited to be here for my first movie review that is not a Marvel film. (laughs) Uh, While those are my specialty specialty, and it is what I got my degree in, uh, I'm hoping that I can add a little bit of detail to some chat about some really good sci-fi and or fantasy movies. Who knows what's on the horizon? Um, But as far as what I'm drinking, it's Tall Boy Tuesdays here in Brooklyn. I am sipping on a very tall Modelo Especial. Um, I don't know why I use the list That's more Spanish than it is Mexican And this is definitely a Mexican cerveza But hey, it's cultural here on the pod Um, But I'm chugging this bad boy Uh, Currently we're watching Or I'm watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Much like Bryland Uh, However, I'm going to take a stance Which I often tend to do in situations And be contrarian I think this is the best season of the show yet um, I was a huge, huge fan of 30 Rock, and this show is definitely a sister show to 30 Rock. It carries on its spirit to a sense, but because of that, I felt like season one was really weak because I didn't think it really lived up that well, and I didn't like Kimmy's character, but I stuck through because I liked the other characters, and I felt like with season three, each one is coming into their own and actually having proper you know, arcs to their development instead of just being there for um, like one-off, one-liners. Um, as well as much more screen time for Titus Andromedon, who I think is one of the best characters on Netflix today. Um, so I actually think season three is a high point for the series so far, though I am a little further ahead than Brylon, so maybe that's why. You haven't learned about anything about what's happened on the cruise ship yet, so we'll see if your thoughts change with the next pod.
1: Yeah, the jokes are uh, definitely just not a landing for me, and I just feel I'm worried that the more that they get away from her coming out of that... Uh, her coming out of the cult
3: mm-hmm. and her
1: being accustomed to just New York life, that it's going to lose its luster.
3: Fair. I will say this, and I don't know if you've... maybe this might be spoilers for you, Brylin, but they've introduced a new character of affection for Kimmy, and he's a much, much more interesting character than what was pretty much just a really bland Asian stereotype in the first two seasons. So I'm glad to see that they're actually like developing or creating new, newer characters that are way more Interesting um, and multifaceted
1: Cool I may have to stay with it because I was Really, I'm really really close to Dropping
3: it. Yeah, yeah, give it a few More episodes. Uh, what What you're looking for Is, is right around the corner Alright, cool but Yeah, that's what I'm watching and that's what I'm sipping on Glad to be back to chat about Today's feature film
0: <laughs> Thanks for having Did you forget which film that we're <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I was just trying to leave it to you. Yeah. I didn't want to steal oh. your thunder. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for. Uh, de- de- thanks for being back as well. You're literally one of the crowd favorites. Um. So much so that somebody said, "Why are you even on the show, Warren?" And uh, <laughs> kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. Kind of. Who was that? Uh, it was my mom. It was my <laughs> mom. Aww. Uh, Aww. But that's okay. you know. <laughs> That's, that's, that's fine. But. Yo, you
2: just found out who your real friends are, me and Mocha were just like dying laughing. Brian was genuinely concerned. <laughs> it's, like, <"Aw." laughs>
1: it's okay. Paul Jackson Warrens does a great job. It, it's, a, it's
0: okay. It's okay. Uh, and I am uh, Warren. Uh, I'll be your host for this evening um, for the review of Alien Covenant. I am uh, currently sipping on uh, Man Can. Uh, it's a wine with fizz. Hmm? A little sparkling wine, kind of like a Prosecco. Mm. It's okay. It uh, it's okay. So uh, nothing to take home with. I don't know what that saying is, but uh, it's alright. It's pretty good. So so uh, and this time I'm actually drinking it chilled. So it's a pretty easy drink, especially going to the summertime, spring, summertime. I'm definitely gonna be focusing more on rosés and more sort of bubbly, bubbliness. Let's definitely take a look at it. And I was really excited this past weekend. I made a pretty ridiculous sangria with uh, using two bottles of apothic dark and one bottle of prosecco. Oh, it was dangerous. Yeah, and then I had a bunch of fresh fruit that we put in there, and I chopped up fresh strawberries and fresh blueberries. Uh, Safe to say that I died. So that was fun. Um, uh, (laughs) You died
2: worse than your phone did.
0: uh, I sure did. My my phone died for one day, and everybody freaked out. Everybody thought I was dead, for sure. It was weird. Uh, But uh, so it was... uh, I have been watching... More of Samurai Jack. Uh, I finally have actually caught up when the last time we talked, uh, I think I was on season maybe one, and I just finished season four on lunch today. Um, So now I'm actually going to go into season five uh, very soon of just... This is actually the final season. I didn't realize until just recently that this is the final season, and the show is over. So now I'm really, really focused on not looking at any spoilers and just trying to go into this actual season. But i love the show i mean it was a very interesting concept they had they sprinkled in a lot of epic stories they sprinkled a lot of just one-off like weird like noir stories there they literally had a chance to do whatever they wanted with this character and i'm glad they did and it was made very interesting uh, but still by far so far you know i haven't hit the last uh episodes but by far my favorite character is a scottish man and my goodness, this dude is amazing. If, if you haven't seen the show and anybody else haven't seen the show here, I would just say just pull up a couple episodes of him. He is the best. The, the, the voice is the best. is by John DiMaggio. We talked about the same guy who did Bender uh, and uh, Jake from Adventure Time. Uh, it's, just, it's just so fun. Uh, the amount of people that are in this actual show itself that does random voices is also hilarious. From Mark Hamill was in this one episode, which is very fun. So I would say definitely take a peek at it. And uh, if you do like animated stuff like I do, I think you'll like Samurai Jack. And that's Samurai Jack Season 4. But for today, we're talking about Alien Covenant. Newest film. This is number six. Five, sorry. This is the Five. fifth film. Fifth film in the Ridley Scott sort of universe of the Alien franchise. Um, well,
2: technically, so- technically seven. What was the other one? Uh, Alien versus Predator. No, we Not, don't count. No, those don't count. <laughs> uh, don't count. <laughs> that no, don't, I'm don't count. going
0: all Warren right now. I'm
2: trolling. Yeah, I'm I know. Sure I was, was a
3: like, high
0: I was actually. I was like, wait, what? Isn't it, wasn't there Alien versus Predator two? By the way. There's yeah, two of them. There was. featuring Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, why? Yeah, yeah. I love he Lawrence. made it funny. I love Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> but why? I mean, spoiler a spoiler alert for whoever hasn't seen Passengers. He's in that movie just to die, and I was. There. <laughs> I, I sat <laughs> there, I, I was so pissed, I was like, the, why would you, the, why, why would you do this, it doesn't make any sense, ah, whatever, anyways, Um. so yeah, that's been what I've been watching, we're getting into uh, the Alien Covenant talking about the uh, fifth series so we're not going to worry about the other ones and uh, I'm very interested in like really getting into this actual movie kind of talk about the wins talk about some things that maybe didn't work for us um, but I would say at this point you know we're really going to get into some details of the movie in which you probably going to be spoiled so if you haven't seen the movie right now I would say stop the recording uh, press pause go grab a beer grab some wine watch it at your favorite theater and then come on, come on back and return um, just so that you can enjoy Alien vs. Covenant for So, see you soon. So, I would say, starting and going into this actual movie, out of everybody here, has everybody seen all the other films?
3: Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> In fact, I'm sitting right here for the audience at home, can't see, with my Blu-ray box set of the entire Alien anthology. Nice. I think I've seen
2: most of one, and that's it. And I, I honestly don't even think I've seen all of one.
0: Interesting. Yeah. No, number one or yeah, just one in general? One of the random bad.
3: films. Wait, but did you see Prometheus? No. <laughs>
2: okay. So this okay. this guy next to us in the theater was like this old guy. He literally he he didn't understand how like new cinema works, where you like buy a reserved seat. He's like, I remember when you could just show up. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't—that's not how it works anymore. Like, so move over.
3: Who prefers that? Like, who boards a plane, sits in 24A, and it's like, man, I, I remember when you had to show up four hours before the flight, so you were boarding class A. Like, <laughs> I mean, who the hell says that? I don't that know. If it's I don't an overbooked know.
2: Overbooked flight, at least you get know. a seat. But we were talking about afterwards, and uh, he, like we went through the whole thing. Uh, honestly, I, one of the one of the kind of I don't know if this is me or whether it was a decent job of storytelling in Covenant was I could pick up on everything that was going on. Like there was some things that I definitely thought, oh, I should have watched Prometheus to understand this. But I could usually make an inference based on it. And so I so I think it was an effective piece of storytelling where just because I hadn't seen the previous movie, I wasn't absolutely completely lost.
0: So I'm actually gonna uh, I'm gonna bring that topic back up again, Blue, because I do have a couple of reasons why that doesn't quite work. Um, okay. Especially that's from fair, the Prometheus one, but I'm interested of just uh, Mike. What like Mike Blue? What's your uh, wins? What's some wins that you have for this uh, movie? Oh,
2: ju- yeah. Jumping into the wins, yeah. Um, I, so I have to say a couple things. Um, the landscapes were incredible. Uh, it still blows my mind. Like, I was thinking of this when we were watching the movie that, uh, you know, as CGI'd as these movies get, that was probably somewhere in New Zealand or Costa Rica that all of those, like, alien landscapes. And, like, it's funny where we really have not, as a, a, uh, a cinema group, have still not escaped Earth where, like, they're still finding these strange places that they just film these movies in these outdoor landscapes, and now with CGI, they can just CGI everything in and then superimpose people over real geographic weird locations, and it creates these, like, somehow alien worlds that actually exist. I have to say, that still blows my mind, you know, 15 years later since they've started really doing this. Um, One of the other things I'd have to say is... Uh, I looked it up afterwards because I hadn't seen all of these movies, uh, but apparently the Xenomorph has not made an appearance in, like, ten years. Uh, so, honestly, to go along with our current presidency, uh, make Alien Xenomorph again, and uh, this did it, you know? <laughs> I know one of the criticisms of um, of Prometheus was it wasn't, like, quite a an alien movie. It was, like, loosely connected-ish. Kind of, and people were kind of like, "Oh, is this just like a Ridley Scott sci-fi ish thing?" And so they, they just came out and said, "No, this is an alien movie. Here it is." And so they, they did a great job of reintroducing uh, the characters that we know and love, the Xenomorphs.
0: Well, even uh, even going I mean, off that's that what, for a little bit, I think that's very interesting that that's a particular criticism because it becomes very obvious um, part way. Really, there's a starting point in that movie. First of all, Sharice Theron's in that movie, and Idris Elba's in that movie, and a bunch of other random people's in that movie. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. But there, it's the alien origin story, to a lack of a better sort of term. So I'm, 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 I'm very intrigued of your saying that that was like a big uh, you know, criticism that people had for Pr- Prometheus.
3: Well, I'll say as you know, someone who's been a fan of the Alien series for like since the '90s, um, you know, I feel like Prometheus was advertised as a prequel to Aliens, and people like myself showed up expecting to see Xenomorphs because that is the classic Alien, and we got an expansion of the universe. Like you don't really know if the actual prologue until really this movie, and that's what I'll talk about a little bit. In alien does how Alien Covenant reinforced and improved on some of the things about Prometheus, but. Yeah.
2: Uh uh-huh. I was gonna say that's the thing that like I, I was doing a little digging on it uh, before this podcast, and apparently uh, Ridley Scott wanted to only do expanded universe stuff, and he did not want to tell another Xenomorph movie. Uh, but apparently the um, movie did so like the idea did very terribly with test audiences that he had to rework Prometheus a little bit, and he had to because it's part. This is uh, Covenant is the second part of a new trilogy. And apparently they're gonna do what like they did with uh Rogue One, where they're gonna end the third movie going into Alien One. Hmm. And so but that's a completely reworked idea where initially all they wanted to do was tell this arbitrary other galaxy movie that somehow vaguely relates to Alien. So this is all like an audible on his part, but
1: Yeah, I mean, a big part of the PR of Prometheus was everybody was asking, Ridley Scott, is this going to be an alien movie? He said, no, it's not an alien movie. It's about Mm. Prometheus. And there was a focus on uh, what a lot of uh, audiences were enamored with when the first alien came out, which was the space jockey image. And when Mm. I was growing up, they always talked about the space jockey as this mysterious thing. So it's like, all right, let's actually explore the space jockeys, a.k.a. the engineers, and what they mean to the whole universe as well. So that's kind of what I think he wanted to do with Prometheus more than what actually came out to be.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
3: Yep. Yeah. Either way, I think that with Prometheus and I'll try to keep this short because this is this movie or this review isn't just about Prometheus, but I feel like there were a lot, there were a lot of conflicting ideas and desires coming from every direction that ultimately led to its, to its downfall.
1: Yes. Um, but and I'm going to double down on Mike's, uh, Mention of the landscapes. It's, it's interesting to see. We see movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. We, we say how visually stunning they are and how beautiful they are. And yeah, the technology has definitely made things look definitely more amazing as time goes on. And Ridley Scott is still, I think, in the top two of people that. Create visual elements on the screen. I mean, he can put together a visual storytelling in movies better than anybody else. Who would be your and, number one? Oh, it's tough. I mean, Ridley could be number one, but what I've seen, I mean, from what Denis Villeneuve has done so far, he might be going up that chart too, mm. right next to him.
2: Mm. Interesting.
0: Mm. Uh, Blue up. What else? Are the, what other wins?
2: Uh, so I, I really loved. Um, I love the neo-romantic score. Uh, there was, so there's, there's a movement in classical music. Uh, class the classicism was truly followed by something called the Romantic period, and that was ushered in by someone named Beethoven, which some people are vaguely familiar with. <laughs> oh. And so, yeah, it kind of ended. It kind of ended at the end of the. 18th uh, 1800s I guess it's the 19th century and you had the departure of like common tonality into the avant-garde so it wasn't quite there but it was like it, it was like you got these weird little like offshoots that didn't quite sound how like a nursery rhyme would sound it was just a little bit different and I think they really really killed it in the score um, the score is absolutely amazing uh, it like it held my attention the entire time, which for me is very rare. I, I I rarely listen to the score the first time through a movie. It's usually the second or third time through that I actually start to pay attention to it. Um, but immediately, it was just like fell in love with the whole thing. Uh, I also love that how um, they used music as a sign of creativity. Um, how they juxtaposed. Hey, you can you can play play a symphony, but you can't create your new piece this way. And that they show the difference between Walter and David, uh, based on like one's ability to create versus one's ability to copy. And so I thought that for myself as a musician, I don't know if I've made this apparent enough, uh, but as myself as a musician, seeing that on screen where, um, you know, you constantly have the, well, am I a cover artist or am I someone who's creating something original? Uh, that battle goes on daily, um, and to see that portrayed on the screen, ironically, by the same person, the same actor, was was very, very interesting to see go on. And I, I really loved it. I mean, they could have done art, they could have, uh, you know, visual media, they could have done a whole bunch of things, but they chose music, and that really resonated with me. Nice. Yeah, this is my big thing. Oh, besides Fassbender kissing himself, that was awesome. <laughs> there it is. That's, that's that sounds reasonable. That's, that's always a win, but, uh, you know, friends of the show probably know that better than anyone.
0: I mean, everybody <laughs> loves uh, Fassbender here, so there
2: you go. Yeah, yeah seriously. All
0: right, cool. So, uh, I mean, I appreciate, cool. appreciate you sharing here. Uh, Mocha, what you got for your wins? Yeah, so...
3: This movie, so first of all, I'm really easy to please when it comes to sci-fi movies, especially sci-fi horror movies. Um, But uh, with this movie, I still felt I enjoyed the experience. It was definitely a step up from Prometheus, which honestly isn't saying too much in my opinion, because Prometheus was pretty bad uh, as far as my thoughts on it goes. Um, But I want to give, following up on the shout-out to Mike Fassbender making out with himself, I also want to give him a shout-out for Playing two very distinct and believable androids. Um, I think it's worth noting that to somehow take two characters that are both supposed to be lifeless and noticeably not human and actually make them different and deliver them differently at the same time is pretty technically impressive for an actor. And I think he did a really good job without making it feel campy. Um, You know, touching on on Brian's point, it was. Absolutely gorgeous. Some of those long shots were just jaw dropping, and I would have loved to have seen those as like a screensaver on my Apple TV or something like that, so I could just watch it on loop for a while.
0: Um,
3: the, the movie added a lot, they expanded to the biology of the xenomorphs, which, as a nerd for the series, I was really excited about. Um they showed a lot of creative new approaches to how this alien species might propagate itself. However, that's borderline win also a criticism because it's getting like confusing as hell to kind of follow all the different ways in which a xenomorphine comes to and why it happens some ways or another and which ones precede which ones. So for the for a casual audience member. I mean, probably a lot of it might go over their head. But um, for me, it was really cool to see the expansion to that biology and how they're, they're adding it into new worlds. Um, well,
2: to that point, I really liked the fact that they, they gave them, like, hey, this is the perfect being that you saw that um, was killed off in the first movie was a long process of uh, trial and error. And so I really liked that, how David's character was um constantly tinkering with it rather than just some random evolution that happened that happened to be like the perfect apex apex predator
3: like that was that was a co- kind of really
2: cool backstory to the original one that we saw
3: yeah and that actually leads perfectly into my next point what i think is the biggest win of this movie is that it cures some of the issues that ailed prometheus and infor- reinforced the uh, more nebulous notions um, that were set up in the earlier movies, or at least the movies that take place later in the timeline. You know, getting to see the links in the evolutionary chain between, as you mentioned, what that original creature we was we saw in Prometheus was, and what the final product is when you get to the the you know original Alien movie um, was really interesting. I think a lot of this movie. Um, helped out Prometheus. Um, it doesn't completely absolve Prometheus of his issues. I think Prometheus is still a generally bad movie, but this does a lot to sort of mend some of the wounds while also creating a strong bridge to the original series. So, you know, shout out to Ridley Scott for for doing that, because that could have been a pretty difficult task to navigate. Um, then also this movie, you know, this movie sets itself apart, or at least is different from other entries in the Alien franchise in that. It's more action-oriented than it is straight-up horror. Um, in fact, maybe it doesn't set itself apart. You know, Most of the Alien series after it, the first one was more action-oriented, and they became increasingly so as the series progressed. But in this one, you know, the action, when it was cool, was really cool. Uh, seeing the, the new version of, uh, of the xenomorphs, the white ones, um, being super aggressive and attacking the group out in that, that, that grassy field... Um, showing like there was a lot of really like visual strength to the creatures, and they felt like actual monsters moving around. Um, it was so cool seeing it whip its tail around and rip that dude's jaw off. Like that oh. was just awesome, brutal action. Yeah, um, and it was really cool and well choreographed. I thought a bit hard to follow, but but overall, like really, I thought well executed and oh. kind of a step up from the usual action we get from the Alien series.
2: All I could think of was uh, Jurassic Park, the Velociraptor scene when they're in the tall grass, like yeah. uh, yep, like. It was that Jurassic Park 2
3: That they're Uh stuck out there Yeah, Yeah, with the Bullets Raptors Yeah, Yeah, that's all I could think of Which was a great callback Jurassic Park Pokemon. We've got all these different stories just telling you to stay away from tall grass. And no one ever oh come on, come on!
0: Come I was on. like, Pokemon, what?
3: It's real, man. Those are some horrifying beasts that pop out of that grass. I know it's like a video game and it's for kids, but if you think about it, that shit's scary.
0: I mean, Snorlax. Come on, that dude's mad scary.
3: Yeah,
2: Snorlax. Anyway. He was, he was, he was chilling in the docks. That guy was out in the open. He was just asleep.
3: Yeah, that's true. No, only me? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know, to, to sum up, it it was a good movie. Um, the action was cool. I, I really, really enjoyed what added to the canon. Um, and I thought it was a significant step up from Prometheus.
0: Yeah. Brandon, what you got? Uh,
1: yeah, just to uh, add more to what everybody said already. But um, yeah, the. Getting Prometheus back onto the track, so to speak. I think probably the smartest move they did in terms of the storytelling is making David the star of the movie. And I think it was really cool to explore like, all right, you have the xenomorphs, and they are these. They started out as this mysterious creature that lurks in the shadows and will kill you in any moment. It's just about pure intensity and just. Um, instant gore when it happens. Then, like, what type of monster would make that type of monster? That's the cool thing I find about David and Michael Fassbender playing David and Walter. I mean, that was an exceptional uh, choice to have him play both parts and actually create a story around these two androids. It's actually kind of a human story because you look at David and um, you know he was programmed and he was designed by Whalen. Uh, who is the zenith of um, capitalist uh, greed embodied. And you wonder that is what David doing, is he following the program that Waylon intended? He probably is, because Waylon did want to find and create new weapons, uh, but he's doing it in his own vision. And it's this, he's being the the father of this new uh, species and trying to ferry them and shepherd them through the galaxy.
3: Yeah, to that yeah. point, you know, one of the, the first lines that David says when he wakes up in the uh, intro scene to the movie is he looks at Wayland and he says, Am I your son? And Wayland goes, Well, you're my creation. And that's what this movie was about, right? He wanted to fill that role and actually be his son by taking on his legacy in the only way he he thought he he knew how, which was continuing his mission and creating the best possible version of a xenomorph, the same way that he was the best possible version of an AI. Yeah, and
1: I like that he's, uh, when he's trying to be compassionate with Walter and telling him about how he got in this situation on this planet, that, um, he starts uh, reading off, uh, Shelley's Ozymandias poem. And it's a very ominous poem about uh, destroying uh, uh, native inhabitants. Uh, and, uh, and you see the flashbacks of him just decimating and creating genocide on this engineered planet and just creating their whole species, um, partly just to start his projects, but it might be a bit of revenge in this android, too. And so there is some type of... I think there is some emotional complexity to him that you can't really deny. Uh, and just his way of exploring human, uh, human elements and human emotion and mocking them as well. Like how he corners Daniels and kisses her and says, like, is this how y'all do it? And he's like saying it in a way that's kind of putting down humanity, like, oh, look, you have to do this weird sexual thing in order to continue your population and everything. And I just think it adds a lot of malice to that character as well. That was my big win for it, but um, I think everything else that everybody said was really on point with what the wins are for this movie. I would add uh, Danny McBride. Pretty pretty solid acting from him. Usually a funny, wacky guy, but being in a serious role, him being able to have some chops to carry kind of a serious character that has uh, some moments where he has to choose to either fall into uh, being sad that his wife's dead or do his job. And I think he balanced that really well.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: I'll get uh, a little bit into that later, but yeah, I agree.
0: I mean, I wonder, I was trying to even see that, is this the first um, like, kind of semi-serious role or serious role that I've ever seen with Damon McBride? Um, I'm talking in my head, I can't think of any movies, but he's always been like the... Comedic element and the comedic factor. So, I was liking it. I like what he was. I like when it was going. I like what he was doing. He was still kind of funny, but it was more in a serious, more stern way. So, I um, I I did appreciate that a lot.
2: Didn't he play like a? He play. He's played another serious role. It was uh, I thought it was a remake of something.
0: I probably didn't see it, but I believe you. We can take a peek at it in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, he was. Yeah. I'm taking a look through his. It, there's nothing. There's nothing too good in there.
3: Yeah.
2: I thought he played one very serious role, and that was it. Kenny Powers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm looking through his through his filmography now, and I don't see anything that particularly stands out as being serious.
2: Yeah, I thought he had like a remake of some war movie,
3: and it wasn't. Uh, what was that
2: Tropic Thunder? Yeah, it wasn't Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Trust me.
0: I love that movie. But, yeah, I did too. But I'll chat about uh. So I mean, I'll go into like a couple of my wins because I'm not gonna retread on too many other things. Um, of the actual movie itself, uh, I really liked uh the fact that just like the opening of the movie, um, there was something. Uh, I know that Mike uh and Bradlin kind of talked about like kind of the design of the actual movie and what it kind of brought forward. There was something about that scene that was very clean and very. Robotic, but at the same time, there was like not a lot of love, and it did feel very interesting. Of you see where how David changed, and now this is kind of really even talking about like David's sort of like character art and kind of story arc of this is what he was before Prometheus. You saw his entire arc in Prometheus itself, so then it was the very next character showed is Walter, and I was like, wait a second, is Walter? Like, what's 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 happening here? Uh, could be potential foreshadowing also for, like, later on in the actual movie, but it was weird that they jumped from, like, David's character to Walter's character, uh, and then later on you see David's character re and he's, very, very different at this point. So I think that was very interesting of seeing those three different types of Davids from this movie, from last movie, from now. Um, and there's something in that opening scene that also really... It kind of shows you and it kind of tells you that he, he, this was not the best sort of person to be doing... Uh, you know, Waylon was not the best person to be probably creating these androids. And what was instilled in David was... Not wasn't his fault, so there's very kind of sad, and I like how the movie kind of opens up on that a bit of a different note from anything because it could have had action, it could have had something here. And it was just two people talking about dialogue and talking and telling me about you know, play something like Dealer's Choice and why he chose to play that um, Richard Wagner's uh, song. So um, I think I think that was very impactful. I think it was a very powerful scene just just from looking at it. I was like, oh, this sets a particular tone of the actual movie. We may not understand all the actual sort of concepts that we're trying to tell you, but this is the overall concept of what we're trying to tell you about crea- creation in the movie itself, and the difficulty between android and human, and what that uh, relationship looks like from those two characters, and then later on, fast forward, what that relationship looks like for androids and all the other characters in the movie. So, I, yeah. ent- I thought it was interesting.
3: That scene did a lot to add subtext and context to the co- to the film that pro- that. Both preceded it and then followed it, yeah. um, without really doing spending too much time on it or going out of their way or being, you know, too narrative, um, too much of a narrative. Yeah. Uh, and also, it was a really beautiful scene too. The set design was great. Yeah, um, awesome. You know, especially going from that intro scene where it's like the high point of human technology and evolution, this perfectly clean, smooth room with nothing involved, um, white lights, and then we get to the raw planet where the xenomorphs are that is all dark, earthy colors and, you know, rock walls and grass. It was a really cool way to add a bit of juxtaposition without spending too much time on backstory.
0: Yeah, I love the fact that you can do – I love when set designers and directors and people are really focus on the fact that you can do a lot without saying a word. I
2: thought there was a lot of parallels that uh, – well, not parallels, but like um, these like you know, recursions, kind of looping things where like concepts introduced at in the beginning – like came back at the end in a big way and the i thematic thing. i wanted to shout out that that introduction introduction of the music at the beginning and then bringing it back at the end was a completed character arc in you know one form rather than uh, like telling the character arc they showed it through music which was pretty nice yeah i
0: thought
1: yeah that. and i like that it also ties into possibly the beginning of alien as well that when uh ripley's the crew of the nostromo land on that planet and see the space jockey for the first time and then all they see are fields of eggs that are under this blue security barrier how did that many eggs get populated produced we might have our answer with this colony ship yeah
0: yeah
3: yeah uh, i also say this too about the intro um there, it's a trend that I'm starting to see happen more often in films, which I am totally behind. Um, which is to do the credits while the actual movie is is rolling. Mm. Um, it's definitely happened before in films, but I feel like it's becoming more and more popular now, and I'm all about that. I don't need long, like musical intros that show various scenes of nothing, just so you can have the credits flash over it. Um, having the credits just gently fade in and out of the screen while. This opening dialogue was going through yeah. actually added a little bit to the suspense. I thought just because the the letters were this literal slow pulse, um, you know, which is sort of representative of the audience and their their emotions and their their anxiety level at the start of this film. Because the whole point of this film is that it builds up, right? The aliens build up and become more scarier. And you'll see later on that uh, that a lot of the music involves a lot of like Boom, bum 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 beats in the background to simulate a heartbeat or to make you feel like you're getting more excited. And I felt the slow pulse of, pulse of credits was really calming and allowed the audience to focus on what was a really significant intro scene um, without kind of breaking, uh, and giving that, that, that momentary break between opening and actual movie, where you're like, okay, this is where we get the title screen, and so on and so forth.
0: Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the only other sort of win, uh, besides like not kind of treading on anything, uh, I guess it would be kind of a two... Not really, just one. Uh, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I'm not sure why Dave Franco was in this movie um, or James. Oh my god! Best part of it. Didn't
2: know <laughs> at
0: all. So I thought that was kind of. I I don't know if it was like a nod to something because uh, it could have been any character, literally any character at all. Um, or any other actor, excuse me, but uh, they chose him, and he's a pretty high-profile actor. Arguably, would be the highest-profile actor besides Michael Fassbender in this movie, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, just to put somebody in a movie, literally just to die. It, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I thought I was very. I, I I chuckled at that part. I was like, well, that's that's kind of weird. That's hilarious, but all right, whatever. Well, it's, I mean, it's, at the least Dan. it it's also-
2: a Danny McBride hookup. Like, uh, McBride has been a character in pretty much every one of Franco's movies. Mm. So I'm sure they were like, Hey, we need someone for this bit role. And McBride was like, yeah, let's just call my boy Danny. Yeah. I mean James,
0: I like James. I, I like the I like
1: Maybe the, Ridley yeah. Scott's a fan
3: of uh, This is the end. Yeah, I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Good being. I really didn't like that movie. I
3: heard uh, Michael Sarah did the mocap for the Xenomorph. <laughs> <laughs> See, I know you're a lie because the Xenomorph didn't like awkwardly hug uh,
2: Daniels. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> Michael Sarah.
0: <Cera. laughs> uh my uh, my, own, my only other one was the horror elements. I uh, I'm, I like all the stuff that everybody has been talking about. Uh, the other two was the the two officers that got kind of infected by the airborne pathogen and how it like showed that like, you can see you can see and they had a focus on like those characters of before the characters walk walking in the back and now they put the character in the foreground. Uh, and you can see the. Like absolute difference of the character's actual skin and body starts like different color and like pale and like sweating and I really like you can see like a breakdown of clearly this person's not okay as the audience we see it um, but as like the other characters in the movie they also start noticing it a bit too late and they try to start a hustle to see what, what, exactly what happened and at times they're even gone into you know the standard operating procedures of hey we need to like quarantine these people something's wrong like something's weird something's out of there so um, I thought that was uh, interesting and then the the other one which I think was just kind of brutal is how it kind of started with um, whatever something a weird thing happened in which kind of knocked out a lot of things so people were just like straight dying left and right and Capsules was like catching on fire I thought that was a pretty brutal way and a very different way to start the movie from a very calm and collected just dialogue to like transition straight into action And then you're, like, thrust into this, uh, you know, a scenario which now characters who weren't necessarily built or supposed to leave now have to lead and have to, like, create and be a captain of all these other people who now they may not necessarily have a chance to. So I thought it was a very uh, smart idea to another way to kind of create tension between characters and actually have a lot of dialogue and a lot of that really made it seem like, well, this is why they made that choice. So, for instance, Chris's character, who's the actual captain, he's not really arguing, but he's talking to his actual team, and he's trying to assert dominance as much as possible, and he even like, makes a rationale decision of, my first, my first question as an audience member is, well, why are you going to go to that planet? Like, that doesn't look like that would be a safe planet at all. And in the movie, he put up, like, well, this is the best chance that I actually have and he mentioned he, he actually has this conversation of, this is the best chance that we have of this is life, this is sustainable, it's living. like we should definitely kind of try this out because none of us wants to go back into that pot. you just see what happened there. And then fast oh. forward later on, because uh, now we see at the beginning, and now we see, well, this is his consequence of his actual action, and now he goes back and says, "You know, you know I thought this was the best choice for to create your log cabin. I thought this was the best choice. Um, for 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 all of us and you know I, I'm sorry I was actually wrong so um, I thought that was a great great it was a very small and a very like small thing that I'm noticing but it's nice to see people not do things because plot device or plot armor now there's definitely that in all the movies yes but at least you give me something of why you know James Franco had to die well that was the reason why Captain had to die Captain B had to pop up and. They may not be able to make the best decisions, but they're at least trying to follow decisions based on faith, based on emotion or something like that. Um, so I thought that was a pretty a pretty powerful. It made a lot more sense. You give characters driving and give them directive because when things starts going wrong, everybody's gonna start freaking out because there's no really plan for it so that was a really good uh, premise to set up for a uh, uh, alien movie thought,
3: that was every single good thing about the movie yeah
0: <laughs> 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 no I mean the, you saw the what about the uh, the stinger opening like the closing credit sequence
2: uh,
1: that doesn't happen in this uh, <laughs> I
3: know I am just looking at because it's a grown ups <laughs> movie <laughs> Yo, I was sitting here <laughs> racking my brain like, I know I stayed to the end. What could I have possibly missed? You missed Jeff Goldblum dancing in the credits. Oh, oh man. Oh, <laughs> man.
0: <laughs> the Xenomorph dancing, that'd be hilarious.
3: I heard Jeff Goldblum did the mocap for Danny McBride who was all CGI. <laughs> Wait,
0: what? Is that possible? Oh, oh man. Amazing. Oh, um, I would, uh... Yeah, so... I'm I'm excited to talk about criticisms because, you know, Blewett brought up something very interesting. Um, I don't want to take too much of our time with criticisms because this is a different movie than Prometheus for sure. Um, But, I do think, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, for this particular movie, Mike said something very interesting. Uh, Mike Blewett said the fact that, oh, they gave me enough information that I don't really need to watch Prometheus, and I... I have to disagree on that one because I think especially this movie, you kind of have to see Prometheus just for the certain fact of the David character and also at least what you see from the actual the, the creation of the actual aliens or what kind of happens from there because in Prometheus alone, David literally affects the entire crew and it was his reason why for his curiosity, of what kind of started his downfall or up, uh, how we would actually say. But I felt like the choices that he made in that movie transitioned to the big choice that he made in this movie. And um, you, you kind of have to watch. That was a one kind of criticism I have for this movie for a little bit. We could talk about it. Of This movie heavily weighed on the fact that why was David such a radical character? Well, you get a lot of that from Prometheus. So I
2: think you could figure out That David was a radical character I I still I I felt like I needed to go back To watch Prometheus To understand it more That being said I don't think not seeing The first one was a detriment to the second one That's what I meant By that comment Not like, like I understood I The second movie could stand on its own yeah, I understood where the characters were coming along. Uh, honestly, partially because like they followed movie tropes. Like, did anyone fall for the fact that it wasn't? It was David that got on the uh, the landing craft rather than Walter. No, absolutely not. not.
3: Yeah, it was like you saw him walk out. And I don't you're think like, they were trying to hide it either. Right, I think, think a neat little talking. cat
1: and mouse game. that was happening with them.
3: I don't think the IQ for the two guys that were talking in my theater was high enough for them to figure that one out ahead of time (laughs) some of the cuts
0: in this movie were also a bit weird too Um, and I think at that time it was a very strange cut of uh, of Walter is punching David in the face and he says a line of like what are you going to do and you see Walter comes up and goes to punch David and you see the hand grabs the knife and then that's it and i would have even stopped and say that you know if you see walter's hands coming back to go for a punch and cut it there but there been there was a couple of other weird cuts to the movie that I was like but, well, why did you why did you put that there but uh, I, I i mean for, just for that one i knew that that would made it even more obvious that oh well that was a weird cut because of course they did a character swap
2: yeah oh 100% yeah yeah i was i was a little bit that that could have been more of a ambiguous scene it was so obvious you saw him grab the knife it's like all right well obviously that's how that's gonna go yeah so but i I will still say that you could get away with not seeing prometheus whereas like i feel like a lot of a lot of movies you need to see the first one to like be able to understand the second one
0: Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i I I just felt like when in this movie when they introduced the David character, I guess, I don't know, I guess it was just me because I, I just felt like, especially for the, um, we were there with Caroline and she was completely lost uh, of oh, yeah. who these characters were and stuff. And then I was sitting there I was like, well, you know who at least, uh, you, you, okay, you're introduced to who David is. You have no idea who the Elizabeth Shaw is. And they mention her really heavily in this movie. And you don't know all the shit that she had to go through. Mind you, this woman in Prometheus cut out, gave herself her own C-section out of an alien. And removed it from her, her stomach. Lasered herself back up and kept running. And so I was just like... That is the epitome of a badass person. So you, 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 at least go, you know who Elizabeth Shaw is, and you see the realization that David killed her. That's like another, that's a, that's a big moment of. Um, uh, it's a really sad moment to see that. Well, you know, he there's no bound, there's no leaps or bounds to what whatever David will actually do, and his character has truly, truly went off like kind of the deep end. So that that's what I was talking about, but you know, I was talking about more deeper understanding. I guess like I'll be a bit more extreme. Like I think it would be helpful uh, to understand this movie uh, to this movie more so when you've seen the Prometheus movie.
3: Yeah, I
1: also would add to that another reason to see the Prometheus movie is just to get a little bit of backstory about the engineers. You just see them as a population that gets destroyed on this planet. Uh, but to see like what they are, why they do what they do uh, I found is really one of the more interesting parts of Prometheus hmm.
0: but uh so I mean that was just my my bit of a, a a bit of a ram not ramble but like I know that you mentioned something earlier but I'm interested to talk about Mocha what some of these sort of criticisms that you got for this movie because I think we I want to start with you you may have the most kind of closest affinity for this actual franchise just from our conversation mm-hmm. and I think everybody else may feed off of that and then sprinkle in our own different ones.
3: Yeah, definitely. So um so yeah to start off the criticisms, um, I'm I'm very driven. I'm a very character-driven person i love films that really focus hard on developing characters and and showing who they are and you know sci-fi horror movies never actually promised that or maybe you shouldn't really expect it but i feel like i feel like they almost wanted to tell a different story with this film you know they set up this notion um where every crew member was in a relationship and there was intent to that, like right, like the crew was designed for that reason and set up for that reason, um, and they didn't do anything with it. Like they could have done so much actual character development, which would have made the deaths more impactful with that whole everyone's marriage stick, um, and they didn't. And so that means that that tells me that either a it really was just in there just to be in there, and that's a huge criticism because what the hell was the point, um, or. They wanted to tell a different story, and then decided during during posts maybe we have too much content. Maybe we need to make it, you know, more alien and action heavy. Um, but I feel like very, very, very few of the deaths. In fact, I dare say that none of the deaths really were were that impactful, except for maybe the the acting ship captain's death. Um, they weren't that impactful because there was no reason to care about these characters, um, and I feel like that was a massive miss for them. Dude, the uh, acting—the acting captain
2: was the dumbest one of all. Oh yeah, let me just go follow this genocidal maniac uh, and then just get face-huggered. Like, right. come on! Oh, right. and. The, the only one that I really cared for was the, honestly the first one because I didn't know how bad the character is going to be. I felt bad for
3: James Franco's character because I was like, oh man, he's like caught in this thing that he can't get out of. Yeah. Well, I here's not. why I, that I felt that one. the the acting captain's death was impactful. It was because the movie did such a good job of making you hate him. Like he got some good character development, right? That little scene in the beginning. It's a really short scene where he talks to his his uh, wife about how he's nervous about how he's like nervous about being the ship's captain. And she tells him, hey, you need to man up and do this. And it gives you a lot of insight into what that character is going to be like from that step forward. You know, that was good development. And I hated him. And I wanted to see him die. And I was so glad that he died by facehugger slash chest explosion. Um, but everybody else, there just wasn't enough there. And what's the point then? What's the point? Um, to that effect, in talking about, you know, what's the point? James Franco was a distraction for me. Um, and don't get me wrong. I... Fucking love James Franco. He has a very special place in my heart. But, like you guys said, like why, why was he there? He was there just to be a cameo. And if it was maybe some other actor that is a good character actor um, that kind of blends into scenes more, I would have been happy with it. But James Franco is a standout in every single role he does. There's So just to have him in, just to see his body get burnt to death, which I couldn't even tell it was James Franco during that scene, and then have him um, just be in a short video Showing how, you know, that he used to climb rocks without ropes to show that he was a daredevil, you know. Like, it just seemed a bit unnecessary and took me out of the movie. I spent more time thinking, like, oh, well, what's James Franco's significance throughout the movie? Mm -hmm. Until the end, when I realized, oh, he doesn't have any significance. He was just there to be James Franco for a scene. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to that, again, on this contrarian note, I also thought Danny McBride was a distraction. Um, here's why I I like Danny McBride I don't have anything against him I think he's a good actor Um, and I thought he was good in this movie however I feel like Danny McBride is just such a unique personality in Hollywood today and he shines when the role is made for him. And this role wasn't made for him. It was just a role that they had Danny McBride in. Mm. He wasn't allowed to shine. He did a good enough job, but his character wasn't really important. The only reason that the character was important was because he was one of the last. He was one of the only survivors. Um, but otherwise, it, like it was really distracting for him to be in every scene because I expected, it to, expected him to be, you know, the comic relief, and he wasn't. And so I was just confused as to why he was why he was chosen for that role.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, so I thought that those two guys were distractions as much as I love them. Um, Grylin, I believe, or maybe, maybe Blue had mentioned earlier that the movie was really trope-heavy, and it definitely was. You know, the movie telegraphs itself quite a bit. Like you mentioned earlier, Warren, nobody should have been surprised that David was the android in the end. Um, you know, nobody should have been surprised that the nameless girl who we don't learn anything about who was washing her face... By herself was the first one to die because she was by herself. You know, it followed a lot. It was very cookie cutter, and it was a beautifully shot cookie cutter movie. But it was still a cookie cutter movie, and that is you know an unfortunate thing, especially since you know Alien and Aliens were both pretty groundbreaking. And I know it's hard to do something new, especially in 2017. But I just feel like the the attempt wasn't even there. Um, uh, Let's see. And then it does follow the scream rules of uh, horror films, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And then to add to that, my other criticism is that this wasn't really a horror movie. It was a sci-fi action movie. Mm, Yeah, they they don't do a lot to build up the the horror. There's really no no tension with the aliens. You see when the alien invades the compound, you. Get to follow the alien from the moment it bursts out of the first dude's back. It's in that room, fully visible the entire time. It was never. There was never anything horrific about it. It was gruesome. It was brutal. It was gory, but it was. It wasn't like scary. And you know, since A- the first Alien movie, the series has been gearing further and further towards action. Um, and it escalates each time, you know. With the crescendo being friggin' alien resurrection, which wasn't, you know, which was a whole mess in and of itself. But I felt like the action was good, and like I mentioned when the act- earlier when the action was cool, it was really cool. But like that whole scene at the end where the dropship is trying to take off and the the second in command. You know, scientist lady suddenly decides to, you know, go full drax and clip herself to a cable and jump out the <laughs> back of the ship to shoot at this alien that we've already seen is extremely, like, durable against bullets. Um, and obviously, way more intense than she realizes because it's, like, trying to snatch its way into it through the glass while it's flying through the air. Like, it just seems so unreasonably ridiculous. Like, how is she all of a sudden this brave? How is she all of a sudden an action hero? You know, well, Ripley made sense because Ripley's character becomes braver and braver and does more and more drastic things with each subsequent portion, like with each subsequent movie, at each mm -hmm. subsequent encounter. But this girl just went from zero to 60 for no reason other than she was the protagonist and they wanted a big action scene. Well, I mean, that's the thing. They were trying
2: to recreate Ripley, but like, I just hate it when like the same franchise tries to recreate this character they've already introduced. Like, I'm fine if another franchise tries to recreate Ripley because it's going to be a different setting, it's going to be a different story, it's going to be a different everything. Yeah. Why is Alien trying to do make their same character again? Exactly.
1: You know, I mean, that's a great point because I think that's one of the biggest knocks people gave Prometheus was there was no Ripley-style character driving it. And they tried to have one with Elizabeth Shaw, but she wasn't the same as Sigourney Weaver being Ripley.
0: Nope.
1: Um, and I think this this part of the trilogy, this story of the uh, universe, doesn't need Ripley. She, they okay. need this. They need to keep the focus on David and what his plan is. And I think you may have an an amazing third and final film if you keep that focus going, and just have he and have the human characters. Be the tertiary characters in this story. Mm.
3: Exactly, and you know, with Ripley, she was the role of Ripley in the original Alien movie was, I believe, a landmark moment for women in in cinema. Um, She is one of the coolest heroines of any film I've seen, and also one of the coolest, just general like protagonists of any movie. Ripley's a total badass, Mm. and you know, that movie came out. Was it nineteen eighty nine or? Something like that, I was early that? Maybe like 86, Regardless, that movie came out um, 30 some odd years ago. It's 2017. We've made a lot of progress of showing really strong female roles in films. Do something new. Like, show us that new character, that new strong female protagonist, and have her be interesting in some way that isn't just doing the manly action hero thing. You know, do that again, really, Scott. Like he did it once before, and I like I feel like he could have if he had just put his mind to it specifically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those were my my big criticisms for this film. Cool,
0: uh, Bradley, what you got? Uh,
1: so yeah, just to add on like the human characters not being that good overall is that they were there to be meat sacks and just get eaten by aliens for the most part. Yes. And they die in some really dumb ways too. Like you don't have just one, but you have two characters that die from slipping on blood. Oh my God. In the very beginning. It was (laughs) the only, it was the only scene that like made me actually laugh at the people dying. And (laughs) it was just ridiculous. That first lady, she slips on blood, gets eaten by xenomorph. Second lady slips on blood, sprains her ankle, and then runs away, breaks her ankle because she sprained it, and then gets eaten or blows herself up. Yes. And I was like, "This is the most, this is the dumbest death scenes ever in oh my the God. alien
3: franchise." I that that the whole scene that, made my blood boil. Well. The
0: fact that people <laughs> die. The fact that. People die in this movie not from aliens is a bit of a problem, I, I think, for sure. I was like, wait, yeah. h- how are you going to tell me, arguably, right, there may be almost as many people die not from aliens as aliens in this movie. I, I'm <laughs> going to make a count, but I think it's the even amount, the amount the people <laughs> that David kills and then amount of people that either kills themselves or do dumb, something dumb shit. Yes, I include the two people... Smoking a cigarette and touching things you're not supposed to. I can, I, I saying, those are two different people. So I know. Yeah.
3: No. The lady with the uh, who died by like spraining and then was slipping and then spraining and then breaking her ankle was so infuriating because you have this woman who is trapped in a room with a body that's freaking out, right? The guy's spazzing out, he's got some blood coming out, but nothing that bad has happened yet. And she's panicking. She's like, "Oh, I don't want to let you out cuz like who knows what's going on in there? Let me just get on the phone real quick. Um you stay here. I'm too scared to let you out." Then she comes back and finds that other dude literally exploded and there is a horrifying beast clawing the woman to death and suddenly she decides you know what now's the time to be brave now's the time to open the door when there is this terrifying tiny little monster in there and she comes in with a freaking shotgun and just slips like an asshole oh my god it was so frustrating i i wanted her to get her face peeled off by the alien i didn't want her to burn to death uh, I wanted her to get to get massacred and she didn't so I think she got off easy cuz she deserved much worse fate. <laughs>
0: oh, it's so bad. I want to have a uh, I'm going to I want to have you continue because I'm actually thinking about more and more really dumb tropes in this movie <laughs> yeah. but I don't want I don't want to try on your time go ahead. Um,
1: yeah and I mean one of the other big ones I had was uh, maybe I'm just getting older maybe It's just that effects are getting a little bit more clean as uh, movies progress, but uh, I felt the body horror and the alien attacks weren't as—I mean, were pretty tame compared to previous uh, alien films. I mean, you mentioned the whole Caesarean scene and Prometheus, and that's one of the most— Nerve wracking, spine tingling scenes that yes. this series has put on film. Absolutely. But I remember, like in Aliens or in um, the original Alien, like when you see the xenomorph use its baby mouth to take out someone's head, you, like you see the brain splatter and everything. It's it's very gory and gruesome. And this, it was, it felt like you see just like a quick splash of blood and that's it. And it didn't really feel like they ramped up the gore to an alien level. As the previous movies had. Um, I would say even the alien attacks uh, were kind of just very basic. And, and like you said, there's not very a horror element. I would say the only one that had a kind of a horror element to it was the shower scene. And just seeing the alien sneak up on uh, the guy and the girl in the shower. Uh, getting busy, and then all of a sudden, it, the alien goes right through his head. That's like your classic alien scene. I thought I love that part.
3: Yeah, not cool. before tickling his balls with his tail, though. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that, that was so, so weird. weird. <laughs> so the other
2: thing is, I think that uh, I think that's a prime example of uh, CGI. Like we just looked up um when the alien movie originally came out and it was 79 so at that point they definitely weren't doing these things with computers and so when you had to make a practical effect you could you pretty much had to make it a horror film because you couldn't show everything you had to like hide most of it and then make it kind of come out of the shadows and so because of that it became more effective whereas now they can just literally CGI in the whole creature and it becomes this whole like action movie because we can we want to show off how cool our computers are. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something to that that like the practical practical effects might be better in the long run because it forces you not to work with what you have but to work with what you don't have.
3: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you know the the CGI for the alien for the Xenomorphs looked fantastic. I mean, it looked really good for the most part. There were some moments where it was just way too shiny to fit in with the rest of the environment and it stood out. But you know, as a fan of just the series from a conceptual level, it was great seeing these creatures run around in full view of the camera. But at the same time, it take like you said, it takes so much away. I don't think there's ever going to be a movie that's at least within the next two, like decade or two. Where a horror movie where the CGI creature is more impactful than practical effects, mm. um, you know, there's just that there's just that different visceral feeling that you get as a viewer. It connects in a different way. Um, so I think you know it's unavoidable um, if you're using CGI for your creatures. Mm.
0: Yeah. Riley, any last thoughts?
1: What Um, I did have one. Like, uh, if I was going to criticize anything, like within the world of the movie and. Just character logic, uh, even though your sensors say that it has a habitable atmosphere, why don't you just carry respirators for the sake of having respirators? Yeah oh my god, <laughs> just to make sure that in case something does happen like hey weird
3: spores get into you, yeah, you can kind of protect yourself. Yeah, you can't you can you will never be able to tell me that a group of explicitly scientists that are on a mission, To seek out new planets, is ever going to step on a planet that they don't know about, and just assume that the air is okay to breathe and just assume that things are fine. Like even a a group of
1: scientists or a group of modern pilgrims that all have different types of trade skills and stuff, but they also have their own security detail with them too.
3: Yeah, and I'm I'm (laughs) also sure that you know they got like a pamphlet to read before they left on this journey that said, hey you know be careful around these around on this exotic planet you know i don't know it just seems unrealistic in this movie and in prometheus that everyone is just so excited to run straight out into the atmosphere of an unknown planet <laughs> mm-hmm. but those
1: are uh my criticisms i have one okay oh, cool. uh but what you got
2: yeah i got a couple things So keep it kind of brief uh honestly the biggest thing for me was that there wasn't a ton of development with the characters. Like as beautiful as it looked, they just didn't do anything with like the meat of it. Um, I honestly, I'm gonna con- completely contradict Mocha, where I thought that Tennessee did a ton of development uh, where he started as, you know, kind of like loving husbands. Whole bunch of like different things, and then he kind of transitioned into this hardened like I have to do what I need to do to get the remainder of the people out. And so I actually liked. I thought Danny McBride's performance wasn't like incredible in any ways, but I think that they he was the most dynamic character over the long haul of the movie. Uh, the other the other thing is that I'd like to spotlight uh, Orm, the captain. Man, they kept on alluding to the fact that, like, yeah, you didn't get captain because you were religious. Yeah, well, this is how, this yeah. is how, like, God intends it. Yeah, this is how. And then when, like, the whole movie started going and, like, you actually got down on the ground and started realizing that there's alien, you know, the aliens were around, that went away. Like, they built up this huge character plot point and then never brought it up. There was absolutely no payoff to that whatsoever, um, and so that was kind of like that exemplified a lot of these things where like, like uh, someone had said before, they established all the relationships between the characters, and then never actually like really did anything with them. Like they didn't have to all be couples because in the end it didn't matter. Yeah, and and so again, it's it's one of those things that I think this music, this movie was was beautiful and had a couple cool uh, like theoretical ideas behind it or philosophical ideas behind it, um, specifically with Fassbender's character. But basically all the human characters were, like, nonsense.
3: I, I really don't understand how, as you said, you go out of the way to highlight the fact that this character is the only religious person in this entire film and then have them have so much alone time with the only character in the film who actually has a God complex and feels that he is a God creating perfect life and not have that be a conversation point. Yeah. Like, such a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, uh, yeah, that was a good point here. I I, I, I was going to change up gears for a little bit, but what else do you have, Mike? Blew it.
2: No, that was a big thing. I mean, it's it's not a small thing. It's It's a big thing, but all of their human characters kind of were established at the beginning, and then just did nothing for the rest of the movie. Except, like I said, Tennessee. I liked his development, which apparently contradicts Mocha. But, you know, that's why we uh, call it the uh, Down and Front Podcast. Woo! That didn't make
3: sense at all. (laughs) Not at all, all, not at all. (laughs) I didn't put in something philosophical at that point.
2: (laughs) Well, if I try and follow the Ridley Scott version, it's going to be like, uh,
3: finger me harder, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Is that the
0: name of this podcast? Yeah. No. (laughs) Yep, that's the title. (laughs) Fingering.
2: 'Cause the whole flute thing, the our recorder thing.
0: And I mean I I even like I really did like that scene, but it did I take did me too. out. It took, like some of the like that dialogue took me out of like you literally could have said, I learned how to play clarinet in this fucking flute and no time was it talking about fingering any of those holes. So come on, man. You <laughs> can use a different type of language. Yeah,
2: dialogue was not great. No. But well.
0: yeah.
2: It it was Android jargon.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, they Um, gotta get over to the iOS, right? (laughs) (laughs) Awful, awful,
0: Awful. um, yeah. I would say, uh, I have uh, a couple of uh, a couple issues, uh, with this movie. I'm not gonna retread, but I really, I literally have to agree with everybody in regards to uh, the Mike and Mike show. Um, I thought that Tennessee could have been cast as a different person. I see where it can be actually distracting. And he didn't use any of his things. At the same point, I liked him being a bit of a badass. And the fact that, you know, it was him that ended up finding... Real, realistically, he was hit. The, the reason why a lot of this stuff happened was because his role as a navigator went out and he got that weird one. And he was the one to notice that it was the song by John Denver... And, like, put the two and two together. So, I, I, I like that they give they did give him a bit of a time to, like, shine a little bit. Um, but, my biggest criticism, and I think uh, Brylan definitely alluded to it, and so did you, Moreno. But, when smart people do dumb shit, it really fucking frustrates me. The fact already that if you're going into space, they literally make it a... Um, a requirement at first not to have you know relationships with your other crew members because of the issues we see in this movie so uh, Moreno or uh, Mocha you said it very perfectly of why was all the characters uh, re- uh, related either husband or wife literally almost all the characters was a husband or wife and I was very strange that's never happens. that's never supposed to happen at any point so I'm not sure in the future, why is that starting to happen? In the past, we don't we do not do that right now. The reason why we don't do that now is because once emotions get in there, they cloud your judgment, and people end up doing dumb shit, like we see in this movie. So <laughs> the fact that the navigator is going to say, oh, hey, I'm going to take down and destroy this entire ship of people and all these embryos so that I can try to save my life, and two people are telling you, that's probably not a good idea. We probably shouldn't do that. Cut a couple scenes later, yeah, we like. I'm gonna override so we can go into that. We can go into the problematic area of field, and we can probably like risk this entire ship. So I'm like, what? What, what just happened? You had that entire thing on your ship the entire time. Why didn't just bring it down and bring it back? But whatever. Um, so that kind of that, that bugged me. Um, the fact that you have the science like the the slipping on the blood was very dumb. The fact that why, right when, you know, they're grabbing for all their guns, you see this huge explosives in another trope. that We talk about the movie tropes. As they're grabbing for shotguns, you see a huge explosive. And you I was like, oh, that's weird. Why are they bringing explosives to this actual planet? I didn't see anybody use any type of explosive. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to tell me that this woman going to kill that entire crew on that ship from that explosives? Come the fuck on. Like, like <laughs> it, c- come on. I, I, need, I need something a little bit better than that. Um, people, like, smart... Like, all these people supposed to be either scientists or either tactical veterans or something like that. Touching things you know you're not supposed to be touching for some odd reason because you think it's interesting. Not telling people that you're sick. Not telling people that hey, I don't feel well. I got something in me.
1: Smoking cigarettes on a strange planet. Yeah, like Mm.
0: (laughs) if you're sick, if you're on a strange planet, you clearly you don't feel well, man. You can start feeling that shit in your body. Why not run away? Take your own like do something drastic. That hey, this is a movie of. Be smart about it, right? And If we talk about the sake of survival, the sake of survival is not going to be, hey, we need to take care of this person because this person's sick. It risks getting everybody else sick. And therefore, you're risking ruining the entire mission completely. Let's start doing some smart things, please. Because these are supposed to be fucking scientists, but everybody does dumb shit. Even for the fact that you're going to tell me that you're just going to go and randomly... Two people just randomly take a shower, and in the design of this ship... There's no way to contact people, two people taking showers.
3: Also, too, um, if this is a coloni- colonizing ship that is meant to travel for years upon years upon years upon years through space, guarantee you don't have this gigantic rainfall like rainforest shower that just pours gallons of water on you for like <laughs> for time without a limit. There's no way. It's just not. Uh, no. No. I know. There's a you got to suspend disbelief in general, um, yeah. but it's just like you said. It was just pointless. It was just to have a shower scene. And and we who plays music that loud when they're taking a shower? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, n- especially when other people have already died, like, it's not, you're not safe, you're not in the clear. No.
0: I mean, it it, was even for the fact that you, kn- that you already know, we know this, is that if you're in a system, you're in a futuristic system of you playing music out of a speaker, I'm pretty sure the alarm is going to override that music, so you're going to hear the alarm and not the fucking music.
1: Yeah. So, whatever. that's how I designed my spaceship
0: whatever but these are like some of the tropes that I'm looking at I'm like you know it, okay guys take this in consideration and I just thought this through when Bradley was talking about why are there little windows on all these damn doors so he can see perfect size for an alien to pop out of and just keep fucking running because it happens like five fucking times in the movie <laughs> and I'm like oh my god come on Every time there's a little window, you see an alien will break through it, and they keep moving. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. "What's the point of the windows?" I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't get it.
3: Um, no, man, speaking uh, about the uh, the exploding trope, it's it's my favorite trope, but it's also like my favorite thing to hate in the scenario in any kind of action movie is that if something can explode. It will explode with the force of the dying sun. <laughs> one shotgun into a canister should not make the entire ship explode in that way. And I just
0: felt like the entire sequence of like being in tall grass, much like uh, Lorena was talking about, it was shot, it, it was almost too quick because it took me a second to even realize that that guy's face got straight ripped off because I thought that was an amazing one, but they didn't. They should have slowed down just a little bit. That's like my criticisms of the actual movie itself, and I know there's going to be a bunch of other ones that we uh, <laughs> that we're going to kind of find after we talk about this again. But uh, uh, any lasting criticism? Let's get into some grades and kind of lasting impressions of Alien Covenant, guys. Sure. Uh, I guess I'll
2: go. Um, I give this movie a B minus. I thought visually it was beautiful, uh, but in the end. It didn't really have like a strong, strong message that was like reinforced by the entire ensemble. Strong, sweet to the point. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Brian, last impressions.
2: Uh, I'm
0: gonna give it a B.
1: I felt it was a marked improvement over Prometheus, uh, but still suffered from some of the same issues with uh, the cinematic tropes of this type of film. Uh, but it was great to see like David definitely become the star of this trilogy uh one last one i would say like amazing fight scene between david and walter so i thought that was a really cool way of just framing a superhuman fight and i might want to see ridley scott do a super uh, a superhero film because of that i think he made it look pretty cool
0: yeah i mean that was interesting i do like that element that we even kind of glossed over um Uh, I also like the fact that, I also like it, I didn't really like it, but Daniels found all those books that just so happen to be very convenient, that things are just lying around that explain exactly the um, exposition of what happened. So they kind of waltz into the actual room of exposition. Hey, what happened to Elizabeth Shaw? And we can actually see what actually happens by like flipping through the book. So I thought that was very strange. Uh, but well, uh, that
1: was all David's uh, science experiments.
0: Yeah, I know, but it, I feel like it was very convenient that they used to waltz in there as shit is going down, and they didn't walk. And
1: she finds there. the right one.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that, that was <laughs> that. That's my thing. Um, but uh, yeah, Moreno, what you got for grade?
3: Yeah, so my grade and my, my final feelings about the film are pretty similar to what Brian just said. I'm going to go ahead and give it a straight-up B. Um, it is, as Brian mentioned, better than Prometheus, and I think that Prometheus is lucky to have this movie follow it because it makes Prometheus a bit better, although still is a shitty movie overall. Um, it was a little too action-oriented for my taste. I would really love to see the Alien series get back to its roots, you know, especially with a film like this, where you have a group of individuals that are coming into a running story but are completely new to what's going on, they could have really hyped up the unknown aspect of these Xenomorphs and the creatures that were coming after them. Um, so I feel like leaning you know, on the action side was a bit of a downfall um, and the lack of any meaningful character development while having so many characters there. Uh, really hurt the film and you know, took a lot away from what could have been a lot of really cool and impactful death scenes. Um, other than that, though, it was an enjoyable movie to sit through and watch. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it a B. Nice.
0: Um, yeah, I would say kind of overall thoughts. My grade, I've been really tinkering and as this conversation, I think, talking to Moreno and talking to uh, Mike and Brylin, like you guys gave me a, a, a bit more appreciation for this actual film of just the overall things that they were trying to do, and I felt like there was a lot more of a focused than... It, I think it was much better than, um, uh, you know, much better than Prometheus, because the scientists in Prometheus was just... It, arguably, I think the scientists in Prometheus was even worse uh, as something climbed up on somebody's arm and breaks it in two separate places. You can see the bones sticking out, and they sit here it was like... I think we can try to save this guy. There's no fucking way you're gonna save him. Uh, so at least this movie did a, a, a better job of that. But still, tread it into the same issues. Some of the uh, character issues that they had in Prometheus, and uh, even with Prometheus, I have Charlize Theron, and uh, they had a bunch of uh, actually a listed people in there. Uh, they went a little bit different, but they still had some same issues, so at least it's getting better. Uh, my grades going to be like a B, I'm going to say. I'll, I'll, I'm going to raise it a little bit and give it just a straight B. I'm saying yeah. that I liked it. I thought it was solid. I really think that he could have done better, uh, but at the same time, I'm not knocking it. There's ways to improve on these things, so it's not like it's completely awful. Um, and a couple of tweaks here, a couple of whatever you can change it, you can make this movie better. And this movie is not completely terrible. That is, you know, it, it's not like a uh, Gods of Egypt. So what me and uh, Brian was talking <laughs> about earlier. So um, there you go for that. Uh, and with that, I would say thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, We will be ending our review of Alien Covenant by Ridley Scott. Go check it out in theaters for right now. Um, But uh, let's chat with uh, the newest member of the Down and Fun podcast, Moreno. Mocha, where can we find more of your work, bud?
3: guys. So, you can find my work on Twitter. Um, And by work, I mean a lot of really dumb tweets that come to my head in the moment and go through no filtering process whatsoever. Um, You can find me at username at mochamikeli. I've actually got a change.org petition going to get people to the guy who actually has at Mocha Mike to give that shit over because again, I'm very frustrated <laughs> that I have to have the L I at the end of it. Yes. Um, it's not good for the brand. Yes. <laughs> and so I need to get that yes. back.
2: So forward that, that along. I gotta, I gotta get on
3: that.
0: Yeah. I am definitely posted that link. Uh, when we, when we have released this. So definitely. <laughs> and
3: then, uh, if you want to see some dope photography, my Instagram handle is at Mocha Mike, as it should be, as God intended. Um, please check that out. I really enjoy photography, and I and I enjoy the work that I put up there, and I hope you do too. So take a look, like, follow, um, and shoot me a message.
0: Thanks. Uh, Mike, the Shredder Blue, what you got? we are hear you find more of your work.
2: Uh, you can find us at either mynews underscore music or news underscore band for most of our... Uh, like social media Um, we have an EP up on Bandcamp and we're playing in June. I think that's all the updates for that. That good stuff.
0: Nice. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much man. I'm Brylin. No worries dude. Thank you. Bryland. what you got?
1: Yeah uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Brylin B-R-I-L-U-N-D where I post a lot of shit
2: Cut it there. (laughs) We're done.
0: (laughs) No, <laughs> uh, and uh, we are the Down In Front Podcast, where we have Twitter, we have Facebook, we have Reddit, we have Patreon, we have a YouTube channel, we have a bunch of stuff, so definitely kind of find us out, we'll do a couple different highlights, for Twitter we are at underscore D-I-F-P, that's at underscore Down and Front Podcast, we're also the same one that's going to be on the Facebook, so feel free to check that out. We do Reddit posts, we do a bunch of different things, and then our brand new live Um, YouTube channel we're actually going to be kind of um, hosting out so that's youtube.com slash down in front podcast so definitely kind of check it out for any sort of live tweeting or anything that we're actually going to be watching in the moment Uh, feel free because that's something that's getting more and more um, excitement as we are actually approaching our anniversary of our creation of our uh, being where our David is coming soon I guess we want to say that so I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty pumped about that um, but definitely-
3: also, uh, don't forget to that you can also email Jesse directly at uh, JesseHugsFaces at ymail.com
0: <laughs> <laughs> We are we are signing off. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great night. So, Good night, everybody. Yo, I thought his <laughs> email address
3: was Jesse's at but Jesse's face just, flat.